Welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, the one with the great ass. <laughs> Dean's got his head all the way up it. <laughs> you wish. Uh, and I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I wish I had hair like Val Kilmer all the time. At what part? The start or the finish? The start. Ah, okay. Who cares about his finishing hair? <laughs> Fair enough. And today we're breaking down Michael Mann's Heat. So Heat, released in 1995, written and directed by Michael Mann, about a gang of bank robbers who start to feel the heat from police when they unknowingly leave a clue at their latest heist. Starring Mann, where do I start here? Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, John Voight, Tom Sizemore, Diane Venora, Amy Brennan, Ashley Judd, McKelty Williamson. You want to keep going? Dennis Haysbert. Wes Studi, Ted Levine, William Fichter, Natalie Portman, Hank Azario, Danny Trejo. They've got Jeremy Piven here. Oh, yeah. This cast is phenomenal. This is crazy. Yeah. And, like, you mentioned Jeremy Piven. Like, that's one of the people that was like, wow, even he's in this. This He he was here when he was all balding and stuff still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, then he got his hair plugs and became Ari Gold. Nice. Yeah. nice. All right, Heat, budget $60 million. Worldwide, made $187 million. Was 15th for the year, so... Wow, did, really did right. good. Yeah, did Especially all right. for like a pretty violent crime film. Oh, well, they really marketed this as Al Pacino and Robert De Niro on screen together. Like, people were going to go see this. I mean, barely. They're barely on screen together, but yeah. Barely on screen is better than never being on screen before. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, I agree with you. It is crazy that they were in a film together, both being like equally leads in a film and were never on screen together in Godfather Part 2. Well, I mean, they could never be together in that movie. Makes sense. It's a sad love story. No Oscar nominations for Heat, unfortunately. Yeah, how does that work? Surely it must have got some sort of... What would it get? Editing? Sound design? Yeah, oh, sound design. That's perfect. That'll Let's go straight into my top five trivia here, Dean. Nice. Number one, rather than dubbing in the gunshots during the bank robbery shootout, Michael Mann had microphones carefully placed around the set so that the audio could be captured live. This added to the impact of the scene because it sounded like no other gunfight shown on screen before. Yeah, I was watching this and I knew, like, I was so looking forward to this scene and the sounds of the bullets still just blew me away. Yeah, it was amazing. It was. All right, number two. In an interview with Al Pacino on the DVD special edition, Pacino revealed that for the scene in the restaurant between Hannah and Macaulay, Robert De Niro felt that the scene should be not be rehearsed so that the unfamiliarity between the two characters would seem more genuine. And Michael Mann agreed and shot the scene with no practice rehearsals. Michael Mann actually ran two cameras simultaneously in order to generate a greater level of fluidity between both rivals. I mean, who cares? Like, <laughs> it, no, because it's not like... This was the first take. I read that what we saw was the 11th take. Like, they've done this before. Like, they are both pros at this. They were probably like, hey, Al, we don't really need to rehearse, do we? Nah, we'll just no. go at our own pace. We're good. <laughs> so you can you can impersonate Al Pacino through the voice. Robert De Niro, you got to go the face. <laughs> Al. <laughs> yeah, the listeners cannot see you pulling faces. Anyway. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> then don't put me through that torture. <laughs> All right, number three here. The meeting between Robert De Niro and Al Pacino over the coffee was shot at the Kate Mantellini on Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills. Yeah, apparently a lot of people would actually like deliberately go there to sit at this particular table. Yeah, table 71. 71, yeah. Hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, have their have their meals and reminisce about how great heat is. Fortunately, I saw that it did actually close in 2014. Unlucky. I would like to go on there. Would have been good. Yeah, definitely would have been, especially after watching the movie today. I mean, no more special than if we hadn't <laughs> watched it today. It's not like we're going there today. All right, number four here. Going back to the shootout, Dean. The bank robbery was shown to the United States Marine recruits as an example of the proper way to retreat while under fire. And a little bonus bit of trivia, I also saw that Val Kilmer reloading his gun was shown to the Marines of how to properly reload a gun. Yeah, apparently he's quite chuffed about that, and rightfully so. Yeah, it is very good. Like, if you're an actor and you are getting shown, like, people are showing you reload a gun to people who would have been handling guns for what I imagine is years, mm-hmm. well, well done. You want a bonus bit of trivia? He was actually going back and forth shooting Batman Forever at the same time during this film. I know. I mean, I don't understand how they hid his long hair in Batman Forever, but it makes it even more impressive. 
I think it's a wig. Yeah, obviously it's a wig. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you actually just like squinted and was like, hmm. How did he grow his hair I'm long and then go sure to play Bruce Wayne? Yeah, obviously it's a wig. It's fantastic. And number five, in order to prepare the actors for the roles of Macaulay's crew, Michael Mann took Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, and Robert De Niro to Folsom State Prison to interview actual career criminals. Yeah, I did see that uh, Danny Trejo actually had spent some time in that prison as well. So that yeah, That's been, why he didn't need to go. Yeah, that would have been quite handy having uh, Danny Trejo there. Do you say that Danny Trejo's character's name is Trejo? Yeah, I realised that about, what, two hours into the film when it's like, oh, where's Trejo? And I'm like, yeah. where yeah. is Trejo? That was the same bit I realised too. <laughs> I was like, oh, they've given him a name. Hang on a minute, that's his actual name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, more bonus trivia. The guy who plays Wayne Grow actually went to prison for a couple of years, I think in 2003, where they actually called him Wayne Grow in the prison. Yeah, obviously criminals would be, you know, big Heat fans, I guess. Did you know this is a remake? No, I did not. This Go is, on. This is a remake of LA Takedown, directed by Michael Mann. Okay, I did not know that. I wouldn't mind checking that out now. I found that out during looking up my trivia. Eh. Eh. I mean, why, why would I want to check that out? Obviously, he felt it wasn't good enough to stand alone, and he wanted to remake it. I mean, he got the opportunity to get De Niro and Pacino in his film. Remake any film you want, mate. Nah. nah no? This is a remake? Really? How has this never come up in any of the times we've searched, you know, remakes and all that sort of stuff? Pretty sure it must have. I'm pretty sure when we talked about, when we did a draft maybe on remakes, someone mentioned Heat. Probably me. I am thorough with my research. <laughs> and then you immediately forget. <laughs> never heard of this film. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the history of Heat in the IMDb Top 250 list. This debuted into the first list on the 26th of April in 1996 at number 47. That was the highest it ever was. It gradually dropped down to the bottom in 2002. What where in the bottom? The bottom part of the 250 where it hovered in and out for three years. It surged all the way back up to 120 around 2009, and that's where it stayed roughly in that area to where it currently sits at right now at number 123 with an 8.2 over 576,000 ratings. Quite the journey. Mm, a journey indeed. But this is a patron-requested review, and it comes to us from... Who is it, Dean? Brother Shane, of course. He's setting the ship right after a passion of Joan of Arc. <laughs> he didn't pick that. No, we did. You know what his last pick was? No. That was random, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, no one picked that. Do you know what his last pick was? Of course I don't. Yeah, terrible. LA Confidential. Oh, nice. He's got a pattern going. What, 90s crime films? Yeah. Yeah, nice. I wonder what 90s crime film he's going to pick next. Seven's already gone. American Beauty. Hmm. Can't be a real life crime. Oh, good one, Hendo. Wow. All right, Dean, let's get into Heat. This opening is amazing. Not, And I don't mean the slow credits of seeing De Niro walk on an escalator. <laughs> okay. Right. This Is it not... Are you not talking about Pacino and his missus having some passionate tongue-twisting lovemaking? No. No? Not a fan of that? No. <laughs> They're like old and stuff. Pacino is quite old. He is quite old. Hoo-wah! Hoo-wah! Do you know this actress... Nope. ...from anything? Nope. She was... Uh, Gloria Capulet in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Cool. You don't remember her? No, I barely remember the film. You gave me a Shakespearean name. I don't know who that is. If it's not Romeo or Juliet or it's Juliet's, Mercutio. It's Juliet's mother. Okay. Yeah, like she's Still don't remember. She's a, a decent part in that movie. Well, she's the mother. No, but go back to your amazing opening that wasn't De Niro going down the escalator or Pacino having sex. So, obviously, I'm referring to the opening heist. Yes. It's fantastic. This really sets the film up strong. It is so good, this opening, because it, I mean, obviously we see, yeah, as you say, I think the tone of the film is set, the way it looks, the characters, these characters are so fucking good. All of De Niro's crew here. Like, they're amazing. Like, you've got Tom Sizemore's Michael, who's just, he's quiet, but he's like, you know. He's, he's like definitely the, intimidating. Yeah, he's like the muscle here, right? He sets, off, he sets off being intimidating straight away when he just tells Wangrove, just stop talking. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. And you set Wangrove up as this loose cannon, like, he, he, but when he gets in the truck and he's like, oh, you guys run a real tight crew, eh? It's like, clearly fucking not. No, what they, the hell are you doing here? Yeah, he's a maniac. He is a maniac. I actually had forgotten how much of a maniac this guy is. He's a psychopath. And when when they get this guard out and he's like, hey, stand back, stand back. And he's the guy's not doing anything. And De Niro's like, oi, got blood coming out his ear. Like, he can't hear you. <laughs> exactly. But the way the guard is like bug-eyed staring at him, don't stare at a psychopath like that. Yeah. But I just think, I think it's so great how it does show like that these characters are... 
like ruthless but professional. Like they know they have to kill everyone once someone dies. Yeah. But they don't want to. Like these are guys with a conscience. These aren't just, wow, these guys are really bad and like to kill and yeah. oh, they're so tough and they'll do whatever it takes every time. This is like, hey, they don't want to, but they're professional and they're smart. Yeah, they're not mindless killers, but no. if they're pushed into a corner, they will not hesitate at all to, you know, survive. Yeah, it's so good. Now, uh, what I love what Michael Mann has done in this film, like, yes, this is an action film, but he really sets up every single character. Like, skip a little bit ahead here, Dennis Haysbert, like, he's he's barely in this film, but he has key scenes to himself. Yeah. Like, these scenes that he has, like, with his missus, getting out, looking for work, starting his job. Like, I, I don't remember what I was thinking the first time I've watched this because I watched it so many times, but this is, like, not connected at all until he's at the cafe. It's like a fucking Pulp Fiction moment here, like... Oh, it's this guy. They put that in there so that you don't expect him to die immediately in in the car. Like if they if he just rocks up and he's like, oh he's this new person, it's like, well he's dead. Mm. Plus, this is just part of the brilliance of Michael Mann, where he makes you care about these characters. Yeah. And these characters are so three-dimensional. Like most directors would be like, All right, we need this other guy to come in. We'll just have, oh, I, you know, I know him from a prison sort of thing. He devotes, as you say, like solo scenes to this guy throughout his film. It's so clever. Like he's on this redemption arc, like he's come out of prison. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to, you know, find the way back, but oh no, he's getting dragged back in. Dead. That's yep. it. Yep. Wow. And even like his missus, who is, you know, another step removed from, you know, the main plot here, we care about her. Like when she's watching the TV later in the bar and she's upset because she sees, you know, her. I don't know, are they married, partner, whatever, yeah. um, dead, like, you really feel bad for her. Like, Absolutely. Like, it's such a sad story. Like, oh, this guy just could not get away from this life of crime. It's amazing. Because you, and the thing with this guy is, you know he's a good guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's a criminal, but he's really trying to do the right thing. And he seems so nice to his boss at first. It's like, yeah, you know, blah, blah. And the boss is just, you know. He's a prick. Typical, like, hate your boss sort of boss. Yeah. But no, I, I just think the way that uh, Michael Mann sets up these characters is so... It's, it's amazing how many characters are in this film and how many of them feel three-dimensional. You know who I forgot was in this film? John Voight. Oh, really? Yeah. Completely forgot he was in this film. I thought oh. you were going to say Xander Berkeley because I forgot he was in it. No, no. Okay, so I, when I saw the, the credits and I saw Xander Berkeley, I forgot who he was. I actually thought... Hank Azaria was the was the the or oh, the ex husband Natalie Portman's dad. Oh really? Yeah, I just I don't know. I remember I remember Pacino going off at him, and I remember that he goes off at the ex husband. So I thought, oh, he's the ex husband. Okay. How many times have you seen this? Maybe twice. Okay, I'm easy over ten. Wow. Okay, so maybe you, twenty. <laughs> Jesus, this film is awesome. <laughs> this fi- oh, I forgot this film goes for three hours. Like I I turned it on last night, started watching. It. Oh, okay, probably two hours. Two hours fifty. Well, man, I'm yeah. going to be up all night. Yeah, and you were, though. I was. I did not move. You cannot turn this off. It's never boring. It pays so well. It is never... I was just sitting there, like, and we all know I love a good snooze when I watch movies, but my eyes were just, like, glued open. I was like, fuck, this is good. Like, there's so many films where you watch them and you know they're really good and you go in expecting and you've seen them before, like, yeah, this is really good. And it's like, yeah, it's really good, but it's long. I've seen it before. Yeah, it's well made, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a drag to get through. This is so exciting. There's points. I think it was around the two-hour mark when I, I looked at the time. It was like two hours. I'm like, oh, shit, there's 50 minutes left. I'm like, how are they, what that, are they cramming into 50 that, minutes here? That was right after the uh, the shootout, wasn't it? Yeah, and I'm like, geez, from what they're setting up here, it really looks like it's going to be finished soon. And I'm like, 50 minutes? What are they putting in 50 minutes? It breathes. I'm like, well, that's what they put in 50 minutes, and it worked. Yeah. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, so they're at the restaurant here, and the whole crew's so pissed at Wayne Grove for shooting this guy, and like he says something to, the, to Chris here, to Val Kilmer, and Val Kilmer's just says nothing, just deadpans him with his mouth open a bit. It's like, fuck, he's a weird-looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then De Niro comes in and just slams his head into the table against the glass, and here's where you get... <laughs> Bloody Tom Sizemore just, you know, doing the side yeah. eye of the guy behind, like, yeah, fucking stop yeah. looking at us. Yeah, you just just leave us alone. We we know what we're doing. What I do love is, like, obviously De Niro's the leader of this gang, but I love that it's actually De Niro that's about to kill him in the car park here. Yeah, it has to be him. You know, like, it's not like he's just the sort of boss who's going to be like, oi, go do this, you know, take drive him out somewhere and do it. I must say, though, did you think it's odd for someone as careful as De Niro that he would just kill someone in a car park? 
I mean, they got to get it done straight away here. Like, what are they going to do? They're going to throw him in the back of the boot and then could anticipate something bad happening later on. A bit sloppy of him, though, to not have hold of him the whole time. Yeah, to just have him behind him and he turns around when it What do you think up. was going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not his finest moment. But now it's time to, uh, you know, get some more character development into our second tier characters here with... Uh, Chris, Val Kilmer. I mean, are we calling these people by the actor's name? Probably We easier. always call them by the actors. Yeah. So, we've got Val Kilmer and Ashley Judd here. And again, Ashley Judd, she's not in much. I was talking to Britt about it yesterday. You know, she's one of these people who have come out against Weinstein who basically yeah. just trashed her career because she wouldn't, you know, I guess sleep around yeah. as, as he wanted. So... Yeah, yeah, I do watch this and I do feel bad for her now. Like, I really do. Because she's... She's got, really good. Yeah, she is really good. She's got so much going for her. And uh, it is sad what happened to her. But this scene where they're just yelling at each other and Valkyrie was just smashing shit left, right and center. <laughs> I was like, yeah! I loved it. Yeah? It's so good. I think Valkyrie this. This would be my favourite Val Kilmer performance this scene right here. I mean, we know Val Kilmer so well, but really, what's he in? The Saint? Batman Forever. Yeah, come on. Acting-wise, he's so good in this scene. Wasn't he in the Salt and Sea? Didn't we do that episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We did that. It was good. Good in that. Yeah. But it's definitely heat. I haven't mentioned Natalie Portman yet. I mean, she goes missing for so long in this well, film. Well, this is a this is a second film role ever. Is after, it? After Leon the Professional. So how old is she here? 15? Yeah, be around that. Yeah. She's... She does the part. She's fine. Hmm. I think she's. it's definitely a better performance in Leon, and she will definitely have better performances later on. Oh, absolutely. She does come across as a bit like... Like whiny, but I don't know. Is I guess that's what she's going for. Yeah, when for. she was losing her mind over the different clothing. Yeah. I was like, all right, tone it down a bit. I love I love uh, Pacino's wife. I don't know the actress's name. She's Justine in the film. It's though. Justine, yeah. I love Justine, though. She's such a typical parent here where she doesn't really care. She's like, eh, it's fine. We'll find it later. It's oh, yeah. on the couch, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as she sees that her daughter is actually upset, like it actually is upsetting her, she just flicks that, that switch like, hey, 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 it's okay. <laughs> we'll find it. Yeah. It's fine. It's like, because that's how you are. Like, kids go on about shit all the time that doesn't matter. That's right. But if you actually see that, you know, this 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 one is important, then they are, then you give them some yeah, You pick your moments. Yeah. But this is the beginning of the fights that they will have, the many fights throughout this film, mostly about Pacino and his work. He's a he's a detective. He's, he does long hours. He does weird times. No, it's not just the times. It's the fact that he's a homicide detective, that he spends every moment when he's at work dealing with the worst people, killing, raping, just brutalizing victims, and then he comes home, and the stuff that matters to Justine, he doesn't care about because he spent all day with really, really heavy stuff. And what I love about this argument is you empathize with both sides. Yeah. Like you can see like, yeah, if she, if Justine's at home, you know, you know, like concerned her husband's not coming home, he comes home really late, doesn't give any answer. Oh, you know, the the chicken's been overcooked or gotten cold, whatever. Like that's a big deal for her. Yeah. You know? And on the flip side, Pacino's out there trying to stop killers from killing people. He comes home like who fucking cares if the chicken's overcooked? <laughs> like I get both sides yeah. and I love arguments like this in film. And I love character development moments like this where it's like, yeah, they're both right and it sucks. That's what they need for these characters to for you to feel for all of them. And even De Niro, like his character goes through those developments as well with Edie when it, when it comes up and how, you know, the, the I guess the emotional arc he has where he talks about how he doesn't want to be emotionally attached to anyone, but he needs to like, you need to have that ability to walk away from anything as soon as possible. Like 30 seconds, you need to be able to walk away from it. And he, go, he goes through that cycle with this Edie character where he basically gives up everything for her, but still goes through those motions. What do you mean he gives up everything for? Her? He goes he goes with her like he he's he's packing in I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm going I'm I'm moving away with Edie. Well, I'm leaving this whole thing. Is that because of Edie or is that because he's got a job that will give him, you know, 10 million dollars so? I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, he's a uh, quite a bit hostile to her when they first meet. As a criminal would be. I love this scene. Like he's as not just as a criminal would be, as Robert De Ni- as only Robert De Niro can be. Like yeah. he's the way he flicks that switch from uh ultra suspicious, why is this person asking me questions to oh my god, this is actually just a normal normal girl who wants to talk to me about normal stuff. He's so nice. Like cuz she sees like him being a rude bastard and then she sees like like hey, I'm Neil. 
Yeah. And he and I love the way he, he keeps asking her about her. Like, oh, <laughs> is that hard? What do you do? Oh, that's interesting. He doesn't you know, want to talk about to go, himself. Like, what's he going to say? School for that, you know. It's just great because he he she's obviously put herself out there in talking to him. He's just shut her down so hard, and mm. he's building her confidence back up here. It's really really good. Yeah, but like, what is he going to talk about himself? He quickly made up that lie on the on the on the fly. That yeah yeah I'm, I'm I'm work with medals only because she said that. What do you work with medals or something? It's like yeah yeah I, I work with medals. What's he going to tell? What's he going to say about himself? Yeah, it is. It, I must say, it's a little jarring seeing De Niro in like this romantic setting. Yeah, not a lot of romantic De Niro movies, is there? No, like I was trying to think, like, where is he in a romantic? Set? There's no like full on romances he has. I was thinking, is the closest thing I can remember? Is it? You know, it's. Is it? I mean, him with the girl he ends up raping in Once Upon a Time in America? Or is it the girl he takes to a porno in Taxi Driver? Like, it's, it's, those movies are so sleazy. Whereas here, even though he is a, you know, quote unquote bad guy or criminal, he's being genuine here. He's not being a creep. He's not, you know, going to end up raping her. He really cares for her. And there's no penny drop here. So, I don't know. It was, it was a little odd seeing the softer side of him. I'm sure there's probably movies out there that he did within the 70s and the 80s that we haven't heard of where he's like he's like a nice, sensitive guy. Is it? And then he turns on his own. What the fuck did you say to me? Like he's You're known- fucking talking to me. <laughs> he's known for being like a tough guy. I'm not sure he'd, he'd be in a heap of romantic films. I'm sure you'd find something out there. There's a nice poster. It's sort of pinkish. It's sort of uh, wavy. And there's oh, De Niro with, a, with flat hair. What? And he's De Niro mug having a big grin. It's there. Mm. How good is their conversation here on... Uh, is it her place? I think it's her place. Yeah, it is her place. Uh, where they're talking about um, uh, being being alone. And she's sort of just saying to him, like, you travel a lot? And he's like, yeah. She's like, do you get lonely? And he's, he gives this great answer, which I never forget. It's just the, uh, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. And she's like, mm, I get lonely. AKA, do me now. And they do. I mean, that, I get lonely. You did... That is, if that's not the biggest, please hold me. I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) So Pacino's out being all Pacino here. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. (laughs) Man, he is going crazy. He really lands this performance, doesn't he? Give me all you got. Give me all you got. I I did read, I did read that... Apparently, Hannah was supposed to have a cocaine addiction, and that's why Pacino is really just doing all this stuff. This is just Pacino. Yeah, it's great. Like, it's so funny because you see like early Pacino, like uh, Godfather Pacino, and he is mild, mm. you know, and his his transformation into what he's become with the yelling, the Pacino yell, is just it's insane. When does the yelling start for Pacino? Is it? I haven't seen it, but is it scent of a woman with a hoo and all that? But that's that's like a very serious, like a soppy drama courtroom sort of thing. Uh, I don't think it's courtroom. No, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure he plays a lawyer, a blind lawyer with Chris O'Donnell. Now, I've seen like I've seen it. I'm pretty sure he's in like a trial at some point. Is he? Yeah. You're not thinking of Sea of Love, are you? I've never even heard of that film. Really? Mm. It's a Pacino film. Makes sense. Do mm. so I asked Dean to look up the plot summary for Scent of Woman? And the first thing he shows me is a picture of the, of Pacino. In a courtroom. It's been years since I've seen it, Endo. I've not seen it, and I know. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Do you want a bit of... Would you like a small percentage of my memory? No. How good's Tom Noonan in this, though? Tom Noonan, I know as... Jack the Ripper. Yes, in Last Action Hero. Yeah, yeah. that's all I know him yeah. from. He's a weird-looking guy, too. It's good to see you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about this guy. Like, De Niro, he's so thorough. I love the, the, the leading and follow-up questions De Niro has for, like, every bit of these plots that he's, he's in. He's like, okay, where'd you get this information? Oh, it just, it just comes to me. It's just, you know, floating around. I just know how to grab it. And De Niro's like, ah. It's like, wait, what? what? <laughs> like, seriously? You're accepting that answer? That's dodgy ass. It's such a nothing answer. Like, you could just say, nah, I'm not telling you. I love how they go through this shit where they've just stolen all these but bearer bonds, whatever they are, from Mr. William Fichter. And they're like, yeah, let's just sell them back to him. What? Yeah, this plan wasn't great. Don't do this. Oh, whoops, we didn't realise that was you. Hey, but we're still going to sell it back to you. You're going to get your whole money back from the insurance, and you're going to get some more money from it here. Yeah, not cool. No. Like, you can understand Fichtner here just being like, uh, fuck you. But the problem is, he's not tough. 
No, he's definitely sent out the goons. Yeah. Doesn't really know who he's uh, fucking with here. You fucking with me? <laughs> you know who the fuck I am? <laughs> yeah, so this is where we get uh, De Niro's, you know, 30-second walkout speech. Yeah. And it's so funny that he's telling Val Kilmer this, because Val Kilmer is the literal opposite of what De Niro is saying. Yes. Val Kilmer has done the wife and kid. Well, done the wife to get the kid, I guess you could say. Wow. Yep. Uh, but he's got the wife and kid life, and... You know, like, De Niro's sort of looking at it like, yeah, and look where this has got you, you know, you're you're sleeping on my floor. (laughs) Like, it's not that great. Uh, But, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, so De Niro, he catches Miss Ashley Judd having an affair with Hank Azaria. And this is where I'm sitting there going, is that the ex-husband? That's quite a coincidence if that's Al Pacino's wife's (laughs) ex-husband. So, I sort of veered off that at this point. Good. It's funny you say that because I was watching this with Britt and she was asking so many questions about Natalie Portman's dad. It was like, oh, is that the dad? Oh, I bet that's the dad, isn't it? And it's like- Wait, there's a big reveal. I was and like, then- no, there's no, there's no moment of the dad. The dad doesn't matter. And she's like, and she didn't believe me. She's like, oh, is this where the dad's going to- I was like, seriously, that character is no one. Like, forget I, this character. <laughs> at this point, when I realized that Hank Azari was not the dad, I, I thought, is the dad even in this? <laughs> And then what? there's Xander Berkeley. Like, ah, there you go. That doesn't matter. Xander Berkeley's not the dad. Xander Berkeley is the dad. There's no way he's the dad. He says to Al Pacino, "Look, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know she was married." There's no way. God, I even wrote. Dad. I even wrote that in my notes. The Ralph guy. It's just a no random way. guy. I even wrote that in my notes. And then I just saw then. Some yeah, that's, random loser. That's the, that's the ex-husband who's come back. What I think no, that's not the ex-husband. I know. Why do I think that though? I even wrote down like it's Ralph. It's a random bloke. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We do. We do not see the ex-husband. Get a, no. The ex-husband does not matter. Ugh. So many characters in this film. Oh, it's awesome. So what do you what do you make of going back to uh, Ashley Judd here and with De Niro? De Niro just being like, listen, you're going to give Val Kilmer one more chance, right? And if he stuffs up. I'll pay for you to set up, and you'll take Dominic. Who the fuck does he think he is? He's the he's the man. He's no, the no, bloke. He's, he's the guy. He's so out of line. He's taking promising control. Promising this, saying he he doesn't. We don't even see a moment with Chris where he's like with Val Kilmer, where he's like, "All right, this is what I've said. This is your last chance. All right, if you stuff up, you lose your kid." He's he cannot say this. He's in no position to be bargaining with what would only be considered his best mate's kid. Do you think he's actually going to go through with it if that was the case? Yes, because he sticks to his word. We've never seen him lie. Well, I mean, he bends the truth with Edie, but yeah. he's a man of his word. We've got more Pacino being Pacino here in the nightclub. No, this this seems so funny. It is. Like, you've got... <laughs> where is The guy's just like, all right, all right, all right. I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, I, this guy I saw, he said he wasn't doing anything. And right away, I knew he was up to something. And I was like... <laughs> Well, seriously, that's it? That's what I'm here for? Uh, the look of Pacino, just like, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's awesome. It's so good. Yeah. But then, I mean, how lucky is he that he drops the slick reference? Yeah. Which obviously just alerts him to Michael, Tom Sizemore, mm-hmm. and that's when they start the surveillance. And we sort of see it first here at this restaurant where everyone's there with the couple and... Like, it's just so obvious that De Niro is there alone. Like, he's watching everyone with their partner. Yeah. And he's the only, he's the only one there without anyone. He's the odd man out here. He's feeling lonely. Yeah. But he's not alone. Exactly, Hendo. Yeah, there you go. There is a difference. But rewinding a little bit here, William Fichter's goons have come out to take him on, to set oh. up an ambush. That doesn't work well at all. No, no. Uh, this is great. And this guy that does the handover just looks like the biggest office nerd. Yeah. Like, you look at this guy and you're like, yeah, he's he's fine. He's not yeah, he's harmless. Good. We're all good here. But nah. De Niro, he's all over it. Yep. He's got his Val Kilmer. He's got Tom everyone Sizemore. there. Danny Trejo there? Might be there, but you know Tom Sizemore comes out with the big shotgun. Yeah, he's got yeah. Sizemore with the shotgun at the gate and he's got Val Kilmer with his sniper. It's great. I did see a little goof here. Cool. Yeah. Go on. There's a shot where the camera's inside the, the car, the truck that's driving along. And in the rearview mirror at one point, you see the entire crew, like in the background of the rearview mirror. Really? Yeah. Instant half a star drop. I, I mean, I was going to say, I have to rethink my uh, my star rating here. But we do. this does lead to the pretty well-known De Niro phone call to Fickney. Oh, he's so threatening here. What do you mean, forget the money? What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand. Because there was a dead man on the other end of this fucking line. 
How good is Victor though? Just like, ah, how, did you get the the money? <laughs> like, you son of a. What bitch. are you talking about? I sent them with the money. Is there something wrong here? But even after this point, you can just see how much of a wimpy little bitch I guess this little William Victor is. But mind you, when you hear De Niro tell you that on the other end of a phone, yeah, you're probably not going to leave where you are forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was great. When we do finally see him back in his office, unshaven, yeah. you see like the pillow and white sheet on his couch. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this guy has not left. Uh, but now we get a bit here with Wayne Grow, just this absolute psycho serial killer that I, I completely forgot this subplot here. That yeah. uh, Al Pacino is like tracking down this serial killer who is Wayne Grow, who kills this this girl who's what, 16, 17, they yeah. say. Oh, and it's, even the even the emotional it's scary. Yeah, even the emotionality here when he just hugs the mum. Mm. It doesn't say anything and just stops her from seeing the body and mm. the mu- and the music's just all mm. Oh just getcha. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And even and what I love about the moment of him hugging the mummy is because we see him like, who's that? The family, like, Jesus, get him out of here. Yeah. Like he's like angry at, at the family. Well, not at the family. He's angry the family's there. He shows no sympathy for them. But then when he goes over there, he he hugs it. it yeah. Was, it was good. No, nah, he's great. This is a good scene as well. When he goes back to see Justine, they have a good conversation here, and he talks about how he doesn't want to t- he doesn't talk to her about all this stuff because it keeps Keeps the angst inside. It keeps him sharp. Keeps his job on, on the mind. So he's makes him a good cop. Makes him a good detective. But makes him a shitty husband. You got to find that balance, which he's not doing. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. And again, I just Justine here. She's so relatable. Mm. Like I love that we're on her side as well because it would have been so easy to make her, you know, the the annoying nagging wife character, and it <laughs> never goes there. Is there a point where we get off her side? I would imagine when she bangs Xander Berkeley. I think I'm off her side there. I mean, I guess, but even she acknowledges, like, I, you've, you've forced me to do this so I can have closure with you, so you actually pay attention. Like, I know, I know, mm. I know, justifying it, but you know, she, I don't think it's as. I mean, it sucks. I mean, who, yeah. but <laughs> yes. What do you say? Great little scene with uh, Dennis Haysbert here, where he's talking to his his missus, and she's just like, "Oh, I'm so proud of you." I love his line. He's he's just he's barely in it, but he's so emotive. He is Dennis Hayes. He's like, "What what the hell are you proud of me for?" It's great. Really sets him up as this character that's gonna be doing something. Yeah, which is awesome. This whole scene here, where you got Pacino and and the, and the cops in the vans while De Niro and Val Kilmer are doing their little crime thing they're doing. Oh, it's so intense. When that stupid cop makes that noise. And it's just the staring. And it cuts back and forth between De Niro and Pacino just staring at the screen like they're looking at each other. Holy shit. Yeah, very tense. Did you notice anything about that scene where they cut back and forth from Pacino and De Niro? No. Well, what I noticed was um, half of both actors' faces are in the shadow. And it's the opposite face. And I, I saw this. I was like, oh, look at this. These guys, this is the ultimate, like two sides of the one coin thing. I, I thought it was so clever how they did that. That's good. Because these guys are so similar. Yeah. Like, they really are so similar, but just on different sides. It's 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 great. Definitely. But that moment when that cop makes that noise and everyone just stops, like, the cop's just like, <gasps> freeze, hold your breath. De Niro, like, looks directly at the camera. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just like those eyes just dart and snap, like, looking at like, you. Like, yeah, he's looking at it's us. Like, like you, we didn't make that too. noise. <laughs> What's he gonna do? That's so good. I was expecting a Alec Baldwin in the Departed sort of moment where Pacino just goes nuts and like punches punches that cop in the face, like you buzzy fucking ruin the ruin the whole fucking operation. No, just calm. All right, let's move on. Yep, yep. I think good on him for being restrained. So De Niro and his crew, they all consider if it's just right to just walk right now. They feel like they're under surveillance. Uh, no, they all they think it's worth it. It's it, the juice is worth the squeeze here with this this take. But Pacino has Hank Azaria in here. And this is just Pacino being full-blown Pacino. Because she got a great ass. And you got your head all the way up it. Yeah, what I love about this is reading up on it that this wasn't scripted. Like, Hank Azaria was not expecting this. So Genuine fear on his face. Yeah, like, you get that genuine, like, what, what, what is he doing? What are you doing, man? And even Pacino, he's so self-aware. He's like, I know terrifying aren't they <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> love Pacino this was great as well when they're what they where Pacino is surveilling Sizemore and the crew about what they're doing in this scrapyard this is so funny yeah and knowing like did you know 
I on forgot. this view. Yeah, I forgot. Like knowing that's what they're doing. Like you just from the get go, just like chuckling in, in like internally. Like, yeah. Oh, De Niro, you sly dog. They're just like so obvious, like doing the big points and oh, we could break <laughs> in here and oh, there's two freeways here we could exit from. It's it's so clever and then. And then, and then, of course, you get Pacino going down. He's like, the build-up to this moment, though, like, oh, I know, I know, I know exactly what they're going after. You know? And I was like, oh, what are they going after? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh and he's like, God. us. I'm like, oh, De Niro, you bastard. Yeah. Yeah, that was so good. That's so funny. There's the the power that Pacino has here where you can just, just grab a helicopter, sure, fly it all the way down to where De Niro is and just pull him over. He's got some, he's got some power, this uh, Pacino guy. I mean, he's a lieutenant, which doesn't sound like a very high-ranking position, <laughs> but apparently it's it comes with a chopper. Ah, it was good. Pulls him over. First time you get him on there. How you doing? It's like, whoa, this is Pacino and the Nero right here. Want to get a cup of coffee? It's like, please get a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. And we have our first Pacino De Niro scene together in history. It's not my excellent. Oh, really? Bloody close, though. I mean, I'm watching this. I'm like, fuck, this is good. Mm. This, These it's- two... Powerhouse performances. They're just such good actors. It's just, it's so effortless for them. Like you said earlier, they are so alike. They are just having a regular conversation about their lives here. They know exactly who these, who each other are, what they're doing. I mean, they're talking openly about who they are. Yeah. And they're talking openly like, next time I see you, I won't hesitate. I will kill you. Yep. It's great. It's so good. And I love how they're like, you know, we, 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 in a different life, we probably be mates, basically. Mm. But, but now I know you, it's not going to be it's not going to be harder for me to kill you. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And I like that, like Pacino opens up to him. Like we've already seen De Niro and John Voight talk, and you know we see John Voight telling me it's his third marriage, you know. And then we see Pacino tell De Niro that. Yeah. So that sort of gives him like credence, like respect, like okay, he's not bullshitting me. He's being honest and open with me. He starts talking about. You know his stepdaughter and the troubles that she's having, and his and his dreams, and it's just it's great that yeah that you actually see them like that together. But while all this is going on, everyone else, including De Niro, after this meeting, ditch all their surveillance. Yeah, gone. Pacino's pissed. But we also set up here that Wangro is coming back into the fold. He's uh, teaming up with uh, Mr. William Victor in this film. Yes, he is. He's got information about uh, De Niro. Yeah. So, was Wangro going to be a part of this bank job? I don't... No, no, no. Because this bank job happens after they're going to kill him. Yeah. So, what information does Wangro have? It probably has information as to who De Niro is. Who Ooh. these people are. Because Victor nah, has no idea who these are. Who these people are. I know what Wangro has. He has Treo. That's how they get to Treo. And Treo rats them all out. How does he know about Treo? Is that how he got recruited? I mean, Treo's in the crew. How did Wango? How did Wangro get recruited into the crew? Then I don't know. Must be through Treo. But I think it's. I think Wangro gives Fickna Treo. So is that who is following Treho? Is that why he says I'm? I'm being tailed. I can't. I can't. I can't get rid of him. It's yeah, not. It's, not, it's they, not the cops. It's it's no, Wangro and, and Victor. Then they torture him for information. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Victor, who is a CI for the cops, mm. tells the cops about the bank job. Yeah. Man, so many different wires and lines going through all these yeah. different characters. It's taking me a few, definitely a few watches to get this right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they can't have Treo, so they recruit President Palmer to come in and you get the heist. Which is my. Excellent! And my. Excellent! I didn't know if this was going to be my excellent. It was either going to be this or the coffee scene. Yep. And I watched the coffee scene. I'm like, I'm like, damn, that's pretty goddamn good. Yeah. It's gotta, it's gonna have to battle it pretty well. <laughs> Shit's all over it, man. This was so good. Even I love the music. Just I got excited. Like I've seen this film so many times. I got so excited when that like, dun, 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 like it sort of starts yeah. that the sort of real like staccato sort of beat starts hitting. You're like, oh, here we go. And it's so good. And seeing even just seeing De Niro like crowd control here. Yeah, it's great. This whole thing is just non-stop. Like yeah. this is what what is this? Twenty minutes of just yeah. in just everything. Yeah. And then when they're going down the street, and you got like you think. I mean, you don't think, but there's a chance they're so close to getting away. Like Val Kilmer's the last one to go in the car, mm-hmm. and before he gets in, he sees the cops on the other side. It's so good. Yeah. And the gunfire, like. You cannot understate how important the sound of bullets going here were. It was just you feel like you're there. It the only other time I've I think 
the effect of a gunshot going off is so powerful is in Terminator 2 with that massive shotgun that Arnie has. Okay. Does not come close to this. We'll get to that in our Terminator 2 breakdown. Okay. But this is insane. This is so good. Like you said, every gunshot that goes off here is just like it's like you're just standing right there next to him. Yeah, and like every moment, like you've got Dennis Hayes but dying real early on. Yep, it's great shock. Then you get you know Val Kilmer gets shot, and you're like, oh shit, he's Ted Levine just gets killed. Ted Levine, what the fuck is he doing in this film? He was supposed to. He got. They wanted him to be Wayne Grow. Yeah, he didn't and he want was to like, get yeah, uh, I'm Buffalo Bill. I don't need to be Wayne Grow. You know what's so funny about this? I was watching it with Britt, as I said, and she was like, is that the guy that played Buffalo Bill? That uh, the she goes, she didn't say Buffalo Bill. She goes, is that the, it puts the lotion in the basket, <laughs> gets the hose again. I was like, no. I looked it up. I was like, holy shit, it is. She goes, his voice is so distinctive. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you got Sizemore, who's like, he takes the girl, and you're like, oh, damn. And then you get that shot with Pacino just lining him up like, is he going to take the shot? Yeah. Is he going to take the shot? Yeah. And he does. So good. But now we're in like the third act, the final wrap up here. That the goes, final hour. Goes for a long time. But oh, yeah. as we've said, does not feel like it. It's got to wrap up so much though. We've got to get through the Wayne Grow portion of it. We've got to look at De Niro and Edie, Amy, Amy Brennan and what's going to happen with them. What do you know Amy Brennan from? Chasing. It's... It's is a, it it's chasing a, Amy? No, it's not chasing Amy. It was a, judging Amy. Judging Amy. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, seven seasons of that. I never Jesus. saw. Jesus. Yeah. I know her as Casper's mum. Wow. I mean, not Casper's mum, but Cat's mum. In yeah, Casper. that's a deep pull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you remember how she like comes down as the like yeah. the angel type? Oh. Do you remember who Casper was? Uh, yeah, that real. Puncy guy who became like real famous. Is he in Riverdale or something? No, Devin Sawa. Yeah, Devin Sawa. Yeah, Final Destination. That's where yeah, I know okay. him from. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> so Jeremy Piven, as we've said, is in this. He's operating on Chris, um, on Val Kilmer. Sorry, how fucking hairy is Jeremy Piven's chest? Damn, that guy has a rug there. Why are you being a hypocrite? I mean, <laughs> yeah, like it's really hairy. So who cares? Oh, it's funny. That's what he probably did. Get some of that hair on the chest and slap it on his head. I reckon. So we've got different things going on here. We've got Hank Azaria calling Ashley Judd to get her involved in what he's doing. De Niro thinks that it's actually Trejo who betrayed them. I mean, it is. Yeah, but through torture. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's Yeah, but it's it's Ashley Judd who calls Hank Azaria saying, all yeah, right, but he's already me, under the surveillance. You, me, you get me now. And he's just like, all right, let's go. Cops. <laughs> Here's a scene here where Pacino and I think it's McKelty Williamson, they burst into the room to take down, I think, I think it's Victor's bodyguard. The shot where, quote unquote, Al Pacino bursts into that room and runs at the guy, I'm like, man, that is so not Al Pacino. That is the obvious, the most obvious stunt guy just coming in and running and taking someone down. Never noticed It's it. not even subtle. The guy kicks the door in and runs at the camera. Never noticed it. Wow. You're just like... Blinds on your eyes, just on all these things. Of course, uh, Victor has to die here. He's done his part. There's too many people still in this movie. We've got to kill some people. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that he uh, like he, he does this thing here, and he does it later as well. He like makes sure that the person he's killing knows it's him who's doing it. <laughs> yeah, he wants, he wants them to look in his eyes. Yeah, it's great. I think we've mentioned it, but I want to mention it again. Pacino, or Hannah, is a very smart motherfucker here. He's a very good detective. Especially at the start, when you've got the the first heist that went off, he's just going through every scenario and option that he has and what they can do. He's, he is a very skilled man. And even here, when he just gets all this info and he works out exactly what's going on, he's going to go after Wayne Grow. This is where he's at. Let's keep an eye on. Let's let's surveil Wayne Grow and wait for wait for Neil to come to us. Very good. It is clever. Uh, but De Niro's got to try and make nice with uh, Edie here. Yeah, doesn't go so well straight away. I mean, it's it's rough for a while, and I'm glad they did sort of stress that she isn't someone who's yeah, yeah like okay with this. Like she's like acting like she's captive here. Yeah, she turns around though. She does turn around. So it's the De Niro charm. I mean, she's lonely, Hendo. Not alone anymore. Definitely not. Here's Ralph though. Yeah, poor Ralph, just trying to. He didn't know, know what was going on. Live his life, trying to bang his ex-wife. Apparently, Hendo. You can't watch my TV. <laughs> I mean, that is so petty. What are you doing? Just walk out. You're embarrassing yourself. Another great scene here with Val Kilmer coming back to see Ashley Judd. Didn't I, I think this was the part. I, one of these scenes, I remember what happens. I remember that they see each other from a distance and they 
you know, disappear from each other's lives at this point. Gives them the little signal like, no, don't. Moves on. Yeah, it's great because it shows that, you know, through all their shit, they both still love each other. Like, she loves him and understands that all she has to do is this little wave here and he's off scot-free. Yeah. And he understands why she has to do that. Yeah, exactly. So, no, nah, it, w- it was a touching moment here. Chino's given up, though. Thinks he's gone. De Niro's out. He's left. Not going to get him anymore. Move on. He's going to his hotel. Going to finally have some sleep. But he's not, though. No. Because Natalie Portman's back. She is. Yeah. Is this in right- the second scene? She literally in two scenes here? Third scene, I think. Hmm. Uh, yeah, pretty... She's in rough shape. Pretty graphic here. Yeah. She's so small as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I've watched this film, as I said, a lot of times, and I've never gotten emotional here. But, you know, being mm. being a father now, seeing this, you're like, oh, this yeah. is rough as. Definitely rough. Uh, so, no, nah, you just feel for this girl. I mean, it rekindles the relationship as well with uh, Hannah and Justine. Justine? Does it? I mean, I feel like it does a little bit. Their conversation they have at the hospital after that, I think it's more than enough. What do you make of the fact that they do they do bring their relationship back a little bit here and, and she starts to understand you know, what's going on with him. But then when he gets called out again and she's like, no, no, it's fine. Like, I understand it's your job. You go. And he's like, no, no, I'll stay. I'll stay. And she's like, no, seriously, you can go. And he's like, okay, I'll go. I'll go. Is that the answer she was looking for still? Is she accepted that this is his job? This is his life? Yeah, I see. I think we read this differently. I, I didn't get that they were back together here. No, I didn't say they were back together. They have re- You said rekindled. Yeah, the last time they left each other, that, that was the end of the world. Now they're hugging and they're talking and they're, you know... I mean, they're going through a traumatic moment together. I feel like they're, they're trying to understand each other's point of views. I don't think so. I think it's just two people who love this girl who are, you know, bonding over that rather than them rekindling their relationship, as you put it. No, I think it is because it's the last time we see them together and he, move on, he moves on to take out Neil, basically. So, so you think after he kills Neil, kills Neil, after he kills Neil, uh, he goes back home? I think he goes back to work out more of the problems. I don't. The last time we saw them, that was the end of it. So you think he's going to change? He's a changed man now? No, I think they're going to work each other's differences out. They're going to so find a mutual level. She's just going to accept that. No, I didn't say that. Do you think he'll change? He might change a little. After he's done this, maybe he's done. So you think he'll change? He might change a bit. Huh, he's got his man. Okay. I disagree. Sure you do. But poor De Niro, he could not help himself, could he? He's He's free. He's free to go. He's on to his new life with his new woman. And he gets a call. Wayne grows here. But you don't need to know this, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody John Voight. Can't help himself. You can see the confliction in his face when he's driving along here. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And veers off the side, off he goes. Yeah. I love I love how he's like pretending to be security. Like, yeah, you got to leave. And then, but like, Wangro looks through the hole and it's the back of De Niro, like holding his arms out, like, hey, I'm not carrying sort of thing. What real security guard would do that? Exactly. <laughs> and Wangro's like, ah, uh, yeah, let's talk about this. And then unlocks his door. What? Well, Wangro hasn't, we haven't, we haven't shown that Wangro is the smartest person. No. But he kills him because he has to die in this film. Of course. It's the only end for him. And we get the whole setup here with. You know, you, got, you need to have 30, in 30 seconds flat, you need to be able to walk away from anything, which is exactly what happens. Yeah, apparently it's exactly 30 seconds yeah. as well. Apparently it's 12 seconds for him realizing that it's Pacino yep. and then 30 seconds flat that he walks away. Yeah, and you feel for Edie here. Oh, I like yeah. that Pacino sees Edie sitting in the car as well. Yeah. You know. But I mean, that's that that gets him to turn around and yeah, see. Yeah, that gets him yeah. to go there. Yeah. This is great too. The little chase here. Very intense out in the, the fields of the LAX. I mean, it's fine. Like, it, it's good, but it's, you know, it's not, you know, wouldn't be my 10 favourite scenes of the film. Do you have 10 favourite scenes? Of course. Do you want to say them? No. Well, I don't believe you then. <laughs> okay. I think this is good. Yeah, it's it's fine. All it took was a shadow. Yeah. And obviously, De Niro's going to die here. Apparently, yeah. they suggested uh, them shooting each other and then both dying. Yeah. Michael Mann didn't like that. And fair enough. Like, what a cop out. Just, yeah, you have the good guy win. That's okay. Yeah, that's the end. Holding each other's hand. Mm. Touching. But that's it for Heat. Any last words? I'll go first here. So I've seen this. I think this is the third time I've seen this film. And I had given this five stars before I'd seen this for the third time. And I keep looking at my list of you know five-star bangers that I've got. And I think I've got roughly like 85 films that I give five stars. And I'm going through these five-star films that I haven't seen in a really long time going, are these genuinely five-star films? Like what... 
what is what is making me give these films that I haven't seen in like eight, ten years five stars? So in a way, I'm I'm trying to find a way to give some of these films four and a half. This film did no such thing. I fucking love this movie, man. This is just so everything. De Niro, Pacino, they are on fire here. The Michael Mann direction of this film is just top-notch. Three hours long doesn't feel like it. So well-paced. An amazing supporting cast with some incredibly well-fleshed-out three-dimensional people in this film. The action is, you know, it's amazing. It is so amazing. That high scene is just one of the greats. It is a fantastic film. Easily still gets... Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Outstanding. From me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I feel the same way. Uh, This film is phenomenal. And I don't know, it's a film that even though I've seen it so many times, I still sort of went in like, yeah, this is going to be great. Is it going to be, you know, as good as I remember it being? A thousand percent, yes. I just, I can't get over how complicated this story is, but not getting lost in it, you know? Like, how many characters there are, but not feeling lost in the number of characters. Like, they get so much story into this, you know, just shy three-hour film, and it's it's exciting. Like, it's such a well-paced film. Performances are phenomenal. The supporting cast is one of the all-time greats. I love everything about it. Definitely gets a... Amazing. Incredible. Outstanding. From me. Very good. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where is Heat going to sit on your rankings? All right. Well, it's going to be pretty high. I'm not going to lie. Uh, let's start at... Ooh, gee, it's hard to say. Let's start at number 20, Snatch. Yeah, it's better than Snatch. Uh, and let's go down the list here. Uh, looking at Silence of Lambs. You know what? I'm just looking at these movies. It's much better than Silence of the Lambs, LA Confidential, Die Hard, Private Ryan, Donnie Darko, The Pianist. I like it all better than that. Jesus. Now we hit Hamilton. And this this is honestly tough for me because of my enjoyment level for Hamilton still. <laughs> still is so high. But as a film, I do like Heat better than Hamilton. Uh, then we come to Kill Bill. Better than Kill Bill. Better than Lord of the Rings. Oh, where are we at now? We're at number nine. Number nine is The Matrix, and I think that's where it's going to stop. I think Heat will be my new number 10. Wow, top 10. Top 10, baby. Jesus. All right, let's take a look at my top tier list, and let's quickly scroll up from the bottom of those five stars. It's better than Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's better than The Terminator. It's better than The Prestige, Your Name, The Wizard of Oz. LA Confidential, yeah, it's better than LA Confidential. What do we got next? Cinema Paradiso, it is better than that too. Up to Return of the King. Uh, Heat is better than Return of the King. We hit Mad Max Fury Road. These are a couple of action blockbuster bangers. Heat is better than Mad Max Fury Road. Then we hit Batman Begins, and that's where it's going to stop. Heat is my new number 18. Very nice. All right, Dean, we'd just like to say that this show is brought to us by our awesome patrons who've been supporting the show for over two and a half years now. Yeah, absolutely. And what great patrons we have, especially picking such a great film like Heat for us this weekend, though. Yeah, Brother Shane, what a great pick. Thank you very much for that one, mate. We do have a patron-only podcast we do every week where we review other different films that are not on the top 250. We're in the middle of doing our video series. We are continuing to trot along there. We've just finished the Batman Quadrilogy, and we're giving out a little bonus Batman-related episode, aren't we, Dean? Yeah, absolutely we are. Uh, We're going way back. Let's go back in time to 1966, when Batman the Movie came out with uh, Adam West. This is going to be a very interesting episode. Interesting to see how it holds up, that's for sure. Yeah, we have got the entire Batman quadrilogy in video form for all of our patrons, but we are going to start putting out some little snippets on our YouTube channel coming up. So keep an eye out for those. If you are interested at all in checking out our Patreon, we have many different tier levels from as little as a dollar a month. Just head over to patreon.com slash journey. All right, mate, let's get to... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is, and this could be it. Oh where we have our awesome patrons send in reviews for the films that we review. All right, first up from Paul at the Countdown Podcast, Cool Gunfight, and Petrino says, She's got a great ass, and you got your head all the way up it. But that's all I remember. I might need to rewatch it. Yeah, please rewatch it, Paul. Do yourself a favor. All right, next one here from Luke James Human. I watched the director's cut and was determined to view this through a more critical eye after the amount of praise it receives. I really tried not to appreciate this and write it off as an overhyped crime thriller. I failed. This is a phenomenally well-produced piece of cinema. Effective direction allows an epic story to develop. 
centering on the two opposing leads and their respective motivations. Performances are great throughout and the subplots never seem unnecessary. Action is handled well and the score, relying on a few amazing pieces from Moby, bolsters the emotional content. This would have scored higher if not for the ridiculous scene in which Hannah almost snipes a kid in his effort to cap Tom Sizemore. Four and a half stars. No way. He actually doctored half a star for that. It appears that way. That's insane. Thank you very much, you guys, for putting in those responses. But of course, we've got... Shane! Mmm. Heat. This movie has so many things going for it. After the golden age of gangster movies, this was the first time Al Pacino and Robert De Niro shared the screen together. I'll be briefly. Of course, you can go and put it on a movie like Righteous Kill if you want to see it's all about quality and not quantity. Heat, though, holds nothing back in either department. This is an action-suspense-orientated character drama with cinematical epic proportions. Despite the long runtime, Heat's never boring. There's always something going on, whether it be inter-gang politics of De Niro's crew or Pacino's ongoing investigation. The performances of the two leads are brilliant, but surprisingly, it's Michael Mann's direction and cinematography that steals the show. He builds such a realistic atmosphere into the environment that it almost feels like you could go outside and find yourself in the middle of that bank heist. The the sound is also a highlight of the movie. When the guns go off, you really feel their impact. There's also an, an emotional center to this movie revolving around the idea that certain types of people become their careers and everything else in their lives fall by the wayside. There's an overwhelming sense of inevitability where no one really has a choice but to be who they are. For the 90s, Heat was an absolute blockbuster. There are plenty more comparisons now in terms of action, most notably the Christopher Nolan films, but Heat still holds up, which is pretty astounding given it's 26 years old. Heat might not be the greatest work De Niro or Pacino was ever involved in, but it's certainly in top-tier contention and one of my favourite movies of all time. Overall, it's an excellent suspense thriller, packed with tons of detail, depth, and powerful moments. Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. I mean, I think it was pretty clear that Shane was going to give that the old five-star banger. Judging by that review, definitely. I mean, there was not a bad word to say there. No. And that's big coming from Shane. I know. Well done, mate. Proud of you. (laughs) Right, mate, it's time for... Answer my question! The question, jerk! We asked our Facebook listener discussion group and our patrons what their favourite Michael Mann film is. We also asked them what their worst Michael Mann film is as well. All right, first up from Talon Crichton. Collateral is by far my favourite of his. Public Enemies had a lot of potential, but didn't hit the spot. Julio the Contrarian says the best is Heat. The diner scene between De Niro and Pacino alone shoots it to the top. Worst, Miami Vice. I know I've watched it. All I remember is being bored out of my mind. My boy Heffer says Heat. Best and worst? Short and sharp. (laughs) Nerd Reverb says best is Heat, and the worst is Black Hat. Uh, Scott Murphy says, Heat is his masterpiece. Although after finally seeing The Thief last year, I would put that a relatively close second. Brian Grabianowski says, The best is Collateral, and the worst is Miami Vice. Saw a few minutes in theatre, woke up days later. Oh, Scott Murphy, another comment here. Uh, LA Takedown is pretty rubbish. I would put that as my worst man film. Wow. There you go. Not uh, showing some love for the the original. (laughs) Chris Beardsall says, Heat would be my pick. Collateral is a close second. Thief is also amazing. David Powell says Manhunter. Heat is a close second. And lastly here from Paul at the Countdown, Last of the Mohicans. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for putting in a response. But, Dean, let's get to our top five Michael Mann films. And as usual, we'll kick it off with you. What is your number five? I mean, I'm not a fan of it, but I've only seen six films of his and I don't remember Ali at all. So my number five, by default, is Public Enemies. Well, Public Enemies is trash. I'll just throw that out there. My number five is Black Hat, which is also trash. What the hell is Black Hat? It's a Chris Hemsworth film from 2015, I'm pretty sure. Uh, My number four is The Insider. All right, fair enough. My number four is The Last of the Mohicans. Fair enough. My number three is The Last of the Mohicans. All right. My number three is The Insider. Okay. I bet we have the same two-on-one. I mean, it's not hard. Uh, number two, collateral. Easily collateral, number two. And of course, number one, heat, heat, boy. All right, but we do have DVD challenge. 
Challenge accepted. Where we did our little mini draft on Michael Mann films. And i got to say big thanks to Brother Shane for picking this topic. For rigging it. Yeah, when it was my turn to go first this week. Because, of course, you pick heat. I mean, this was just a stupid, stupid draft topic. It was never going to be any other result than whoever got to pick heat first was going to win. You wouldn't be saying these words if you went first. I mean, I would, but I'd just be more happy about it. (laughs) Well, what did you pick? Uh, Didn't matter. (laughs) I picked Collateral and Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, and it didn't really matter what I picked. I picked The Insider, but it was all obsolete because Heat wins 56% of the vote. You could have picked all three and I still would have won it. Yeah. Yeah. So that is three for me for the win. So another movie for you, Dean. What's it going to be, Hendo? So you were very generous enough to do up a little letterbox list of movies that you hadn't seen that you were pretty keen to watch. So I am going to pick off that this time. Well, I like it. I'm going to give you a film that came out, I believe, I was going to say last year. Jesus, 2021 now, isn't it? In 2019, it was one that you missed towards the end that you put on your watch list that I really think you will enjoy. I'm going to give you Waves. I put that on a list of movies I want to watch. You most definitely did. I have no idea what this film is. <laughs> Good. Go into it knowing nothing. Okay. All right. Check that one out. All right, Dean. We did say last week that we were going to head into our top 10 films of 2020, but we need more time. We need to watch more films. Yes. And by we, we of course mean just you, Hendo. Because of course. I, I don't watch films. Yeah. <laughs> because you've already got your top 10 sorted out and they're all Hamilton. Oh, uh, why not? <laughs> So in saying that, we do have another patron requested review coming up now. So we've moved that up a week forward. It is from Mr. Chris Beardsall. And he's gone with another big, long film, Dean. Not that we're complaining, because it's Definitely not. The Green Mile. Wow, The Green Mile. Heavy stuff, Hendo. Oh, this is going to be a big one. Yes, it will be. Uh, it's going to be good. All right, thank you very much, Chris, for picking that. And thank you very much, everyone else, for listening to this episode. We will see you next week for The Green Mile. Bye. Bye.